to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in the space. Hi, Brian. How are you? Great. How are you doing today, Jeremy? Good, mate. We um, we had the Microsoft Graph community call this morning, which you crushed the demos and presentations, so thanks for doing that. <laughs> Not a problem. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, yeah, hopefully people get some good, good learnings out of that. Yeah, I feel like it was a nice kind of tying in a bow of all the work that you've put in for the last month with all the other kind of contributors of getting that blog series out, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely a, a long straight run of a lot of long days, but uh, yeah, very well worth it. And I, I really appreciate all the help that we got from internal folks, external folks, community members. Uh, it was really a, a team effort. So I, I definitely cannot claim all the credit on that one. No, and that's great. It's humble to do that. I, I I just really enjoy the output of it all and seeing the amount of people viewing it all. But um, so I wanted to get you just on the show to talk about that. And I guess more around the lessons learned of kind of tackling something that hadn't been done before with the graph um, from a developer learning so that the audience here can, can learn, listen into that. Sure. Before we get started, we usually kind of talk a little bit about you as an individual first and then kind of you as a Microsoft person and or being in the Microsoft ecosystem and then we'll jump into talking about the series. So just mm-hmm. to start off, um, Brian Jacket, uh, where, where, are you, where are you from? Uh, I'm based out of Columbus, Ohio here in the USA. Yeah. Have you, were you born there? How long? I've, I think I've always known you as being in Columbus. Now, uh, I originally grew up in uh, near Detroit, Michigan, uh, went there all the way through high school, moved down to Ohio for college, and then found a job here in uh, Columbus and uh, been here ever since. So it's been uh, almost 12, 13 years now, I think. So yeah, quite quite a while here in Columbus now. And people f- not familiar with the geography of America, where, I mean, Detroit, I think most people would know, but Columbus, where, where would, how would you describe that to the, a layman, non-American uh, it's about three hours south of uh, Detroit, uh, I don't know, six, seven hours west of Washington, D.C. Uh, we're kind of at the crossroads of uh, America. There's two main highways uh, between 70 and 75 that really kind of split uh, split Columbus there. And um, the weather-wise, being three hours south, <laughs> it, is it still quite as brutal or not? Uh, it depends. Uh, we usually joke around that you can get three different seasons in one day. You know, might get like a sunburn in the morning. You might get uh, some kind of crazy wind uh, the afternoon, and then nighttime it's you know pouring rain or snowing. But uh, yeah, we we get quite a variety of uh, whatever the weather might be here. Yeah, we've we've dropped below freezing here, and I just cannot get warm at our house right now. <laughs> it's, it's not fun. Yeah, yeah, we and like to. Bro- uh, go ahead. And then my brothers are kind of posting their photos of them at the beach cooking, literally, ironically, cooking shrimp on a barbecue, which I was like, <laughs> this is really not, like, great to do that, really. Yeah, you're going to help people the stereotype claim. there. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's too much of the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you were saying? Oh, just, uh, yeah, we, we get quite a variety of weather here, but uh, yeah, it, it, when it gets into the winter times, we uh, definitely like to bundle up uh, blankets, extra heaters and whatnot, but yeah, just, just part of living in some of the colder climate sometimes. Yeah, no joke. And so um, I, I always find these stories interesting, but how did you get into tech? It sounds <laughs> like you moved to Columbus for a tech role, but what was like the first impetus for you to kind of be interested in this stuff? 
Yeah, I've got a very interesting story when I started, uh, and <laughs> hopefully my parents are not a uh, listener of your podcast here. Uh, but <laughs> Back when I was about five years old or so, my parents got an old used uh, i386 uh, computer. And, you know, me being a little five-year-old, I'm like, hey, I want to play around with this. And so I found, hey, here's the DOS command shell. I can run, you know, help. I can run CD. I can run, you know, uh, make dirt, create some different kind of things. So I was going through the help files, and I saw, hey, there's a command called format. I'm like, I wonder what format does. <laughs> no, it takes a drive letter. So you can type in format C colon, and uh, what happens? Oops, Brian just wiped out the entire computer. <laughs> we, we actually had a, a very slow baud modem back then. And I was like, oh, I was trying to do something online and something happened and crashed the machine. You know, we lost the data. And my parents didn't really blame me technically, but I think they kind of knew that uh, I was fooling around with the machine and doing something I shouldn't have been. But uh, ever since then, I've really just had a, a strong liking to computers and really knew it was something I wanted to do uh, from then on. So took a couple, you know, classes or whatnot when I was in uh, grade school, elementary school, uh, later into high school, they had some, you know, computer science courses I took. And then by the time I got to college, you know, I, I knew for sure I wanted to do something, whether it was computer science, uh, management information systems, took a lot of coding classes, kind of got a good feel for it and um, just been ever, you know, doing it ever since. That's cool. And so how, how long have you been in your current role for? And can you just explain a little bit about it? Because we think we definitely have people on the show already, but I don't think they've done a good job of explaining kind of what your a day-to-day or a week-to-week would look like for you in, in a role at Microsoft. Sure. So I've been at Microsoft for a little over seven years now, and uh, my role is what we call a premier field engineer or PFE. Uh, we've worn many hats over the years. Uh, when I first came in, uh, we were primarily the on-site engineers with customers. So if you've got an enterprise contract or what we call a premier contract, uh, we're helping you kind of solutioning, hey, I want to deploy SharePoint or I want to you know, fix up some things in Active Directory or you know, I'm looking for some best practices, some remediation for my environment. Uh, we're kind of that boots on the ground helping you out with that stuff. Um, over the years, though, we've started to move a little more into the kind of proactive services or um, doing workshops, education, and so forth. Uh, now that we're moving to the cloud, you know, both our customers and Microsoft, uh, we're starting to look at kind of cloud strategies. You know, how do we integrate Microsoft products with other uh, different kind of developments or different kind of third-party services? Um, how can you make sure that you're not going to be, you know, hammering the proxy or, you know, making sure that your environments are set up the best way possible when you're doing synchronizations between Azure Active Directory and other kind of repositories? You know, what's the way to make sure you do that the right the first time? That way you can be the most kind of successful going forward. So that's and, a lot of... And oh. do you kind of get dedicated customers that you look after? Or is it you kind of in a pool of resources as, as and when projects come up? Yeah, we kind of split down the middle into two different camps. Uh, on one camp is what we call des- uh, dedicated... Sorry, dedicated support engineers or designated support engineers. Also, we've got the kind of transactional folks. So if you're transactional, you're typically doing one to five day kind of engagements with a customer. Uh, so really, you'll do a, a kind of high frequency changing between who you're working with, what you're looking at, you know, kind of what your focus areas are versus the dedicated folks, which is uh, primarily my area right now. I have one customer, so I'll be working with them 
four to five days a week. And I'm really looking more for the kind of long-term strategy. You know, when we want to turn on services in Office 365 or when we want to start doing development with SharePoint Framework or kind of related things like that. Uh, talking through those best practices, understanding what are the business cases for this? What are the kind of gotchas of, well, hey, we've got these legacy things in our environment or we've got this other kind of configuration. How does that all fit into the larger ecosystem? So we're kind of taking the more long approach for uh, you know, getting our customers adopting the, the right practices and uh, kind of getting them on their feet. And so kind of from a dev world, kind of being deep on the graph now, I imagine you're doing quite a few discussions with this particular customer that we won't mention, but in terms of like work around the graph as well. Yeah, that was one of the kind of uh, main things for me the last year or so was uh, a number of different teams, you know, completely disconnected within their organization, all talking about, hey, well, how do I get Azure Active Directory information? How do I get data from Planner? How do I go and talk to my Exchange mailbox? Uh, all these things start to kind of build up and it's, you know, hey, the graph, that's really one point that we can teach everybody the same APIs, the same kind of skill set, and they'll all be, um, be able to be productive pretty quickly. And we don't have to rely on, oh, well, what's the, you know, authentication for this? API, what are the different protocols that we can leverage, um, is really a good kind of success story for looking across a variety of skill sets, different teams, different work styles, uh, but all being able to leverage that same kind of API, same kind of authentication. It's like music to my ears. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And so like before, because you've been there a while, um, when customers weren't in the cloud, like was that a normal practice or was there... I guess those teams would just kind of go off and investigate like other approaches to get at that data. Like, are there any stories that you can share there that kind of just highlight where we've, we've come from in terms of accessing data from these kind of products and services? Yeah. A lot of the, um, I'd say a couple of years ago, we saw a lot of different technologies being used, you know, whether it's, hey, I'm accessing as Java or Grails or Python or, you know, whatever the languages are. Uh, but the data sources they were going to weren't always going to be Office 365. Um, it might be a third party system. Um, but what you're seeing now is we can actually have a lot of different systems connecting together. So, you know, Active Directory, for some customers, that might be the source of truth. In others, it's just a downstream application. Uh, but now that you go into things like Office 365, well, everyone's going to have an Azure Active Directory account. So that's kind of one common basis that we're going to have. Um, everyone's going to have a license or going to have a user account in Office 365. Uh, so you're seeing kind of a lot more in terms of just integration of platforms versus these silos that are completely distinct. Uh, you know, if I talk about in the past, I had a whatever uh, DB2 database, um, we can still talk to that, you know, whether you're going through Graph or whether you're going through something like PowerUps or Flow. There's lots of ways to get to that data, even if it is a distinct technology or a distinct uh, kind of platform for where that data exists. Yeah, it almost becomes kind of Lego bricks of bolting all together now. And I guess where it's sharing the same auth store, it just makes it a lot easier to do than it was in the past. Yeah, there's definitely that cross uh, crossover between, you know, everything all kind of speaks the same language, whether it's REST or whether it's, you know, what might, what have you. Uh, we're just seeing a lot more interoperability. Um, and I, I definitely like that uh, analogy of the Lego bricks. You know, I've heard that from Scott Hanselman and a couple of other folks, but uh, it, it definitely rings true when you move to this web-enabled, connected, uh, kind of integrated environments. Yeah. And so prior to this role, were you a consultant and you just kind of evolved into this at Microsoft or? 
Yeah, I was a uh, consultant for a local consulting firm, and it was kind of interesting because I, I went through my interview process, and they hired me as a Java developer, of all things. Uh, <laughs> when I was in college, that was, you know, the language to learn. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I can do, you know, Java development and applets and whatever else. And uh, after like a month or two, they're like, hey, by the way, we need to have someone do some SharePoint work. Uh, what do you think? And at the time, I was like, uh, what is SharePoint? Like, I, I didn't even know what it was. Uh, yeah. 2007 had just released, and I was looking at it saying, hey, that, that looks like something kind of interesting. And uh, took a deep dive course for a couple of weeks, started getting some gigs for it, and uh, haven't really looked back ever since. It's been a, kind of a key part of my career going forward. Yeah, it sounds similar to my one. My first web shop I worked at, they won a big government contract, and they wanted to use SharePoint as their intranet. And so, you know, I was hired on as an AS, ASP web developer at the time and then kind of, hey, you need to go learn what this SharePoint thing is. We just won this big contract. <laughs> and, you know, and then it turns out like it's not ASP, it's ASP.net. And so it was like a, a whole long learning curve there before we even started looking at SharePoint. That's only three letters. Can't be that big of a difference, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, that that feels like a long time ago now, but it really isn't that long ago, technology-wise. No, and I definitely love the vibrancy of the the community that you see, whether it's Graph or whether it's SharePoint. Uh, it's a lot of people kind of banding together to solve problems together and share their learnings. Uh, it's really a, a rich ecosystem that I highly encourage people to get involved in. Yeah, it's definitely one that stayed strong. I um, Obviously, I've been involved in it really since then. Um, I mean, Andrew Connell, now I call a very, very close friend of mine, um, he's how I learned web content management to build intranets back in, in those 2007 days. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we, we've worked together on various things and, uh, in different, wearing different hats, whether I've worked at Microsoft or externally, but, um, you know, that community is so strong. Uh, I use Andrew just as one example from the dev side, but, um, I kind of, I, I'm not traveling as much at the moment because my do- my daughter and just focusing my time on my family. Mm-hmm. But um, I just noticed they were everyone was at the European SharePoint Summit, and um, there was just so many people there. I was like, man, it's been so good to catch up with all those people <laughs> in one place because um, a lot of them have been in this community for ten plus years, uh, working and sharing things on on their blogs. And I guess nowadays it's more about contributing code uh, to GitHub and, and, and borrowing those things for your own projects. Mm-hmm. And I suspect, you know, this is where I guess you came to me. I don't, I can't remember when you first came to me, but it was pretty early on in me coming back into this role at Microsoft Engineering. And um, you were essentially stating that you were going to, you wanted to build this blog series around Microsoft Graph because you felt like it was a gap. Do you want to just tell like how you pitched it to me originally? Because I think that's really interesting from that side of like from a perspective of not someone completely on the outside, but you know, within the walls of Microsoft, but not in engineering per se. Yeah. And I'll give actually a little more context to that. Because I know when you first came back to Microsoft, uh, you were looking through some of the um, graph documentation and you'd notice that I'd done a couple of uh, commits and a couple pull requests to uh, some various documentation or different kind of concept notes. And I was like, oh, man, I haven't talked to Jeremy in years, uh, well before I think you were even at um, uh, Hyperfish. Uh, and I was like, oh, hey, nice to catch up with you. And uh, you're just asking, hey, you know, what are you working on? What kind of things are you doing? We kind of struck up a little conversation there. And uh, I think it was probably three months or so ago, um, 
internal to Microsoft were going through some you know training and whatnot. And one of the areas that they were asking everyone to start getting skilled up on was Microsoft Graph. And I thought to myself, oh, hey, you know, my customer's already doing this. I've done a little bit of development myself on it. Um, you know, let me look, look and see what I can find for publicly available resources for this. Okay, so I go and look at LinkedIn Learnings, went and looked at Pluralsight, went and looked, you know, just kind of online at other uh, courses and whatnot. There really wasn't a lot out there. So I was like, oh, shoot, we're going to have to go and actually build this stuff ourselves. That's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. That's not, you know, reusing things. Um, so I started to kind of look around and say, well, what else could we do to, you know, supplement this? I know there's a lot of great documentation on Microsoft Graph, just the, the site itself. Um, but what if we had just kind of a quick little, you know, intro of how can I get from, you know, either knowing zero or kind of a 100 level uh, of about Microsoft Graph and get up to at least a 200, maybe 300 level. Uh, I just want to be able to have an intelligent conversation with a customer or talk to a peer and be able to find out, you know, how to ask the right questions for it. Uh, so I kind of reached out to you and I said, well, do you guys have anything like this? Would you be opposed if I did kind of a 30-day blog post on this? Um, original intentions were a little bit smaller. You know, we were just thinking, hey, we'll highlight official documentation that's already out there, but just give people kind of up some mile markers. You know, start here, go to this next point, go to this next point. And by the time you get to the end of 30 days, you'll have just kind of a basic level, 200-level knowledge on what exists in the graph, what are the things you need to be aware of, Azure AD applications, OAuth permissions and so forth. And that was really the, the kind of genesis of it and where we started at. Um, but talking to you and getting some of your inputs and insights on this, you know, it was, well, hey, blog posts are great, but what could we do more? Something that's going to be a little more lasting with this. You know, could we have some code samples? Could we have something that's going to be a GitHub repository, something people can come back to, can have community involvement. Uh, it was, and it really just kind of sparked my interest on, oh, that's, that's a really great idea. You know, like what else could we do to make this a little bit bigger? And uh, slowly but surely, we, we gathered together a team, got some folks who are MVPs, some people who are internal, uh, quite a number of um, PMs from uh, different product groups and whatnot to be able to put in their own ideas for this. And yeah, we had a we had kind of a blast uh, putting this all together and pushing it out to the community. So it was kind of where that's where all this started. Yeah, and I think you know it. it the timing wasn't ideal for me personally because we were <laughs> right at the end of um, getting the documentation platform live for docs.microsoft.com. Well, and when we originally um, pitched this, it was also right in the middle of uh, Ignite. Which it, what, yeah, which I mentioned <laughs> it was like I know I'm going to be real busy until that's done. <laughs> yeah, timing is an interesting thing because there's never a great time, uh, but there's definitely some some parts of the year that you can avoid. You know, we knew we didn't want to slip into December. Then we're going to have people on holidays and out of office and whatnot. Um, but yeah, November just kind of stuck and uh, we were able to push forward with that. Yeah, Corp has already started slowing down a bit as people take a lot of their leave that they won't be able to carry over. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this 30 days was really important because there was a bunch of stuff where we actually genuinely wanted program managers, and primarily they're all principal program managers as well, engaged, you know, Nick Kramer from Teams and Jeremy Kelly from SharePoint, for instance, that yeah. um, contributed to the series. And, you know, it was a great way of kind of showing that here's the impact you can have as a PM on our blog, um, but also then from community members to kind of work and be part of this as well. And um, there was some great discussion. I know you kind of tipped Daryl's hat um, or tip your hat to Daryl Miller, who looks after our Microsoft Graph SDKs, mm -hmm. who kind of helped with founding our kind of the baseline product or project, sorry, in GitHub. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of 
why you went down the route you did with that GitHub project and um, some of the lessons we learned as we went through? Sure. Yeah, we knew that we wanted to have some kind of lasting repository for this code to exist in, and uh, GitHub just made kind of natural sense. You know, there's already a lot of community samples out there. There's already the Microsoft Graph uh, organization on there with a whole bunch of different repos. Uh, so we thought to ourselves, well, it's great that we can go and build some kind of sample, and we want to have something that's a start from scratch and be able to have a working, usable product within, let's just say, half an hour or so. Uh, so we kind of got that built, um, but then it was a matter of, well, how do we extend this? You know, we want to be able to have something that each day that we're adding new products or services that we're tying into, you know, whether it's OneNote or OneDrive, SharePoint, Planner, Azure AD, and so forth, I want to be able to test out just that day's code and not have to rely on, okay, we'll start back from scratch and rebuild the entire thing. Uh, so there's a number of key people. Uh, Daryl Miller, you mentioned one. Jason Johnston also helped out quite a bit on this. Uh, he's one of the content developers. Um, we were trying to figure out a way, how can we have this kind of plug and play nature? So we were able to get together a kind of base project, which was the day 15, I believe, from our series. And the whole idea is that I can now take that one day and now be able to kind of add on just the pieces I need for each of the other areas. Uh, and kind of underpinning all this, you know, I, I'm not a .NET Core developer uh, kind of by trade, but I figured that that is a multi-platform, runs on anything that you're on. You can do it in Visual Studio Code, in Visual Studio proper. Um, kind of a great way to be able to run this no matter where you're at. So it should be a quicker, you know, easier barrier to entry for just about anybody. Uh, so we decided, hey, let's build things in .NET Core, and then we can have these subfolders where we're going to kind of dive into each of the different kind of topics. So our base project lives in one subfolder, but then you can add in the pieces that you need or uh, create them yourself by going through the readme files. Uh, so it's really a good story for, you know, I've only got, you know, 20 minutes to go and learn this or, you know, one hour to dedicate to this. I, I can't spend a whole week learning each individual one. Uh, I think what we came up with, though, is a, a very good kind of product for being able to switch between them or add just the pieces that you need to get kind of your job done. Yeah, I think the notion of building over time is really important. I, I've i never been the kind of developer that just likes to be handed something that's complete and just trust it. <laughs> um, so following the steps to create the project, add in the MSL library, add in the Microsoft Graph SDK, you know, register application and put all the, the uh, app ID, client ID and secrets and so forth in the code, you know exactly what you've had to do to get to the point of getting a result a result back from the microsoft graph and so i think you know that that approach to this series is super important from a dotnet core and it's something that if you go to graph.microsoft.com and click on the get started we we have your build your own build your first application in there for a variety of different platforms but we didn't have dotnet core and so um this is great now that we can kind of take this and leverage it in the get started platform but i think also the fact that you know there was this 30-day journey walking you through it was also very useful as well and um you know daryl helped out a little bit just to kind of give guidance on um i guess the off side of the house like what was your ex experience there because obviously you know being totally transparent we're not quite ga'd with the underlying microsoft authentication library the msl v2 um, we announced at Ignite in November, September even, that um, we were coming out with a V2 preview with the intent of making all these generally available in uh, early part of next year, calendar year. But um, what was your experience with using that with .NET Core? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll be completely transparent myself as well and say that uh, up until we started prototyping for the 30 days uh, blog posts, I had used exclusively ADAL. <laughs> so yeah. I was I was very familiar with the syntax and the language and what, what needed to be done for that. Uh, I'd been hearing, you know, whether it was from Build or from Ignite and a lot of other kind of areas, hey, you should really start learning MSAL. I was like, oh man, this, this will be a challenge. Uh, turns out though that it's really just kind of plugging and playing a couple of key factors in there. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, where things are going to change a little bit, though, I think is uh, if you listen to the graph uh, community call from this morning, uh, Daryl talked up a little bit about why we're going to be pushing, you know, using the SDK, why to really uh, kind of look at that as a first uh, kind of go around. And there's th certain things that are going to be handled by the libraries. Uh, you can do things like retries or handling, you know, different error codes and statuses and whatnot. Uh, those are the kind of things that will be helpful. Um, but they're also going to be putting into the box a little bit different flavor of how you actually wired up into your application. Um, so Daryl was actually able to provide us with some of those kind of advanced looks at here's how you're going to do things when you go to you know the GA version of this or shortly thereafter. Um, it's very insightful to kind of see that. So when you go and look at take take a look at like the base project that we have out there, it's using that new style of authentication. And there's even some comments in there by the way saying that hey you don't have to declare this yourself. It'll be built into the package for you. So I'm really liking the direction that they're going of providing some of that plumbing code for you so that you don't have to worry about, well, hey, I'm going to switch from you know a public client to a confidential client to something else. A lot of that's going to be available to you in there without having to write more just you know plumbing code, as we kind of call it. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, obviously, there is a team that lives in Building 27 that works on the MSAL libraries. I mean, the Identity Division and Leaf Alex Simmons. And then there's Daryl and our team that works on the Microsoft Graph SDK, um, that obviously you leverages an authentication library that we used to leverage ADAL uh, from kind of well our graph SDK samples and now obviously we're moving more and more over to the MSL v2 and actually MSL v1 when that was out and so now with this direction of Daryl working together with the uh, the MSL guys to have one kind of ability to deploy an SDK that works together without having to do that glue yourself is super useful and so it was good for Daryl to be able to share like here's how we're going to do that, but don't worry too much. This is just a interim step till we get to the point of shipping that right. as a, almost as a one, one SDK per se. Yep. And, um, you know, there's a lot in the MSL stuff. And I know on Twitter, there was a bunch of people asking me to get some guys on to um, talk about this in more detail. So I am going to do that. Um, there's a, there's a, a few people that um, will be able to talk at great lengths around <laughs> the identity and, um, there's some interesting questions I have for them already. So if you haven't asked me on Twitter, please uh, flick them through because I'm going to try and schedule that before the, the break over, over Christmas and the new year. So um, in terms of kind of the auth library and getting that all spun up in, in .NET Core, and I, I love the Visual Studio Code and Visual Studio proper. I should probably go and speak to Dimitri in marketing to see whether <laughs> they want to make that an official turn. I'm, I'm sure there's a, a better name for it. That's just the way that uh, I, I call I it. I honestly don't know. I mean, Visual Studio Pro seems to have gone away. They seem to use the year name. I know they just this morning they announced yeah. Visual Studio 2019. Yeah, I um, heard that. And I think that's the way you delineate between code and what we used to know as the ultimate and professional SKU yeah. IDE that takes three hours to install. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm loving code. I um, We've been shipping a bunch of stuff and, I've you know, code's just so super fast. 
that um you know I've, I've really enjoyed kind of having a more low level ide than something that kind of does a lot for me but um we are focusing on graph on both visual studio code and the visual studio 2019 as it stands right now yeah, I was, I was very surprised uh, using Visual Studio Code. Uh, most of my work in the past with it has been for JavaScript files or for Markdown or simple things like that. I hadn't really mm -hmm. done any, you know, full development with a .NET Core project or anything else. Uh, so that was also another thing, just kind of for me personally, being able to grow and learn that. Um, and I've actually, <laughs> I, I launch Visual Studio Code now more often than I do uh, Visual Studio 2017. So uh, that's also been another fun uh, kind of interesting takeaway from this. Yeah, yeah. And then in terms of like the add-on parts, how difficult, <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> in terms of the kind of the collaboration that we did across the different teams, whether it was in PM or the community or people in, in similar roles to you in the field, how, how did you go about kind of making that work in GitHub and evolving the project, the base projects and having these guys kind of build on top of it. Like what, was there any learnings there you had from this approach? Yeah, we, we had identified a couple different technologies that for sure we wanted to include. You know, we knew Azure Active Directory. We wanted to talk to SharePoint permissions, uh, talking to groups, um, Planner, OneNote, and so forth. Uh, so we kind of reached out to a, to a couple different PMs, a couple different community people to talk on those different topics. Um, most were pretty familiar with the GitHub, you know, check in, check out, pull requests, that kind of stuff. Uh, sorry, commits, pull requests, and so forth for, you know, working with the uh, content. Um, for me, it was still a little bit of a kind of newish thing for me. Uh, I've done a couple of my own pull requests and whatnot. Um, but being able to essentially create some branches for different features that we were going to integrate with. Um, we had a couple of very key people from the community, um, Vincent Beret, uh, probably butchering his last name, sorry about that. Um, and also Gavin Barron, uh, another MVP. Uh, they were very helpful in terms of, hey, you did a bad uh, commit on this. Uh, we need to <laughs> you know, clean these things up. Um, so that was kind of a, a little bit of learning early on in the uh, series. But uh, once we got under our feet, you know, probably day 23 or so, it was kind of smooth sailings from there on out. And uh, I really like the fact that, you know, this is out in the open source, essentially. Uh, if you want to submit an issue, if you want to submit a pull request, if you want to give us some suggestions on things that you think should be added to this. Uh, you know, what started out as just a .NET Core console application, you know, we were able to add in device code authentication. Uh, we were able to, you know, bring in some other kind of things that we hadn't even really planned for, but people in the community decided, hey, that, this is a great thing that we should add to this. Uh, how can we, you know, integrate this? And we, you know, found some ways to integrate that all together, but still maintaining the kind of overall architecture for uh, the samples project. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's already a bunch of ideas we have from our meeting uh, yesterday internally of mm -hmm. where we'd like to take this. And I think we need to start striking out this bounty list and letting people pick up the ones they, they're comfortable with going, going after. I know Gavin has already put his hand up to do a few of them, which will be great for us. Um, but I think the, you know, the, the, the nice part about this project is, is that it's a great way to bring like-minded people in um, to work with people like yourselves and also kind of the engineering people as well that are kind of in inside the core of shipping the service itself and the SDKs and the rest of the dev experience, which is really nice. 
Yeah, I was very, I was very pleasantly surprised with the number of people who stepped up to help in, you know, again, community folks, people who are PMs inside of Microsoft, other folks who are in similar roles to myself. Uh, a lot of people had a voice that they wanted to share and uh, being able to kind of corral all those together and put them in a single direction. Uh, it was really just a, a great thing to see the end result of this, you know, uh, be so successful. And so where, where are the best places to get started if people are listening and, and weren't aware of this in the first place? Sure. So we've got a landing page set together, which is the uh, aka.ms slash 30 days MS graph. Uh, from there, you can see all the different blog posts. You can see all the people who are um, contributors on this. At the very bottom is also a survey link if you want to share any kind of feedback for this. Um, as you go to any of the different pages, they will link to the other pages. So you can go from day one to two to three to four, all the way up to 30. Um, and then we also have a GitHub repo. And I'm going to butcher it because it's not on top of my brain. I'll probably put this in the, the show notes. Uh, something like the github.com slash Microsoft graph. And then the repo name is um, 30 days MS graph hyphen try it out, I want to say. Um, and from there, that's all the different links for each of the daily uh, exercises. So that'll link you off to, hey, here's the code sample to go and take a look at, or here's the graph queries to go and push uh, so you can get some data. Um, between those two different places, you'll have all the content and have all the code where you can actually try stuff out and uh, be able to work with it. Yeah, we've really kind of painted ourselves into a corner with the 30 days title for this. Um. <laughs> well, a, a funny little uh, secret is that we originally called this 31 days of Microsoft Graph uh, when it was going to come out in October. And then, oh, that's uh, right. <laughs> yeah, so the internal team name that we use for all of our planning, it still says 31 days Microsoft Graph. But uh, when we had to delay one, into November, well, we, we struck one, one day off and kind of consolidated. <laughs> One less blog post to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> Strategic. <laughs> yeah, we, we've thought, you know, if we do a round two of this or some other kind of extension, you know, hey, we'll just call it the whatever, you know, February 2019 edition or something like that. Yeah, I would like to get to the point where, and it's, I guess it's similar to what, uh, you know, the con community contributions that PNP do, that Vasa Yuvenen and his kind of group put together specifically more around SharePoint. Mm -hmm. But um, I would like to see us to try and work out some way of building a, a solution on top, but kind of a bunch of us are putting putting work into it that makes sense, um, that could be of value to uh, multiple organizations out there. Um, I know a lot of the work that PMP originally did because I was in marketing at the time. We kind of internally called the gaps project where we were doing things to fill the gaps of what wasn't in, um, you know, the add-in model that was in the uh, farm solutions and sandbox solutions world. And then obviously with SPFX, you know, it's a different thing again in the way that they're kind of enabling community contributions and people building out web parts that people are sharing the code on. But it'd be nice to get to that point with... Um, with some kind of graph aspect to this as well and leveraging all the building blocks of services and workloads that are on the graph to, you know, showcase some, you know, a product that could actually genuinely be used by an organization. So we need to have a good head scratch on what that might be and who wants to be involved in it and, and build that out. Cause one, it will be nice as a line in the sand. Here's, here's how you should build things from scratch with graph in whatever platform you decide to build it on but then also that customers can benefit from it as well. 
Yeah, I've already seen a couple of just community blog posts or even repos on GitHub that target very specific kind of things. Uh, you'll see right now that a lot of people are doing Microsoft Graph talking to Flow or talking to you know other kind of services. Uh, I know like Martina Gram, she's got the uh, provisioning Office 365 groups. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of things like that kind of popping up. Um, but yeah, if there was a central repository or a almost kind of set of Lego bricks or kind of building blocks for this, that might be a, uh, a great resource for a lot of people to contribute to and gain a lot of value from too. Yeah, because I think the, the docs are a part of the way there. But what I'm finding now, now that my name is the author of every single doc page, in the doc, <laughs> which, I, which out, I reminded you about, <laughs> yeah. um, people are reaching out, which is good because it's given me a really deep understanding of where our devs are at and what the experience is like mm-hmm. that I might not see if people are reaching out to PMs directly, um, is that you know, there's that layer there that is, here's all the API endpoints and here's how you create a group and here's how you edit a group and here's how you delete a group and here's how you add members and here's how you remove members. Um, but there are scenarios where you kind of have to bolt those things together in a in a certain flow. And we seem to get, get a lot of questions around what's the right way to do that or is this scenario supported or how do I do this particular uh, timing event? And so we, we do need to add a little bit more guidance around, you know, the less simple transit, well, not even transactional, but kind of individual isolated calls and start providing a little bit more detail on how you can bundle those things up. So um, definitely something to think about in the future for this kind of initiative that we're, that we've all kicked off. Yeah, I've even heard some people saying they want almost a WYSIWYG, a what you see is what you get kind of editor. Uh, that could be in, let's say, Flow. And here's a call and get all, you know, Office 65 groups, uh, just literally dragging and dropping or, you know, selecting from a drop down uh, kind of selection. You know, people saying that would be something very helpful for them. Uh, you know, from a developer's perspective, I have no clue how you'd implement that. That seems like a, yeah, it's like, <laughs> a it's lot like of work. Sc- but. Scratch for uh, Microsoft Graph. Yeah, yeah. I've already so. started studying up on Scratch because I really want my daughter to be coding <laughs> at some point. Uh, regardless of where she goes into a career in IT, I think it's important yeah. these days to get involved. And I know like it's the hour of code was the other day. And um, I, so I got this book and it's just incredible what they can get four and five-year-olds doing with these apps now. Um, yeah. And so now that's, I, that's, I get my daughter started on this now too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's nuts. I wish I'd have had that when I was younger, but um, you know, that, the world has changed technology-wise since I was sitting in front of my dad's Mac 2. Mm. <laughs> cool. Well, look, um, I really appreciate your time talking about this today. And again, thanks for doing the community call um, this morning as well. I know you have a, a full-time day job, but it's great <laughs> that you're able to contribute back to the uh, Microsoft Graph community. So a big thank you from me and everyone on the team that has just been really impressed with what, what's happened as a, a kind of a group here shipping not only all the blogs but the the code samples and all the walkthroughs as well so that's awesome thanks thanks again oh yeah my pleasure really had a great time with this and uh definitely thank you for the opportunity to share on this and uh bring it out into the world that's awesome so how can people follow you you're on twitter right I am. You can follow me at Brian, the letter T, Jacket. Uh, also find me on LinkedIn, my blog, HTTPS, uh, uh, com. That's awesome. I'll make sure that's in the show notes along with all the links to the 30-day series and the GitHub repo. And um, we'll definitely get you back on once we kind of work out what we're going to do next year and what kind of um, asks we have for the community that are listening to kind of get involved. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking forward to hearing their feedback, and uh, we'll start seeing what we can do to, uh, to answer some of those questions and inquiries. Yeah, and, and just one thing while I rem- I'm reminding myself here, I had a little, um, I, I'm using a dark mode sticky note in Windows 10, um, <laughs> uh, which I noticed you were doing as well in your demo this morning too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> as my dog jumps up, oh, he want to say hello to you, dude, um, is uh, we are keeping a list of people that we know that are uh, heavily involved in graph uh, and providing contributions to via blog or um, YouTube videos or samples um, or kind of collaborating, communicating with internal PMs uh, and giving feedback. And so if, if you feel like we aren't keeping track of that and celebrating that on Twitter and LinkedIn and in our blogs and shout outs on community calls, can you please just reach out to me, uh, Jay Thake on Twitter um, and just let me know, like just point me to something you've, you've worked on that's Microsoft Graph related. Um, there is something in it for you guys. We are um, starting a swag run um, specifically to celebrate those people that are kind of very orientated around Microsoft Graph. So it'll be a, a special group of people. There is already a known fellowship of the Graph um, that Brian needs to be instated into, I guess. <laughs> um, but we're going to grow that out a little bit. And um, it was funny before... You know, went away on uh, maternity leave. We actually shared our lists, and it was amazing how close they were to each other. Mm. Um, sh- she definitely had a few more Spanish-speaking people on there than I did, um, which I'll put on me as a uh, as a bad. Um, <laughs> and so, there's a few more people on that list that um, I'm watching. But there was a, a bunch that um, Yina wasn't aware of, and when I showed the content, she's like, "Wow, okay, yeah, this totally makes sense." So. Um, yeah, if you can reach out, if you feel like you're not being given shout outs on these shows at the beginning when me and Paul talk or um, in the blog post where we do the community contribution stuff, then please, please, please reach out and, and let me know that you're doing this and we can amplify all that hard work that you're doing and making sure that everyone gets to see it. So with that, thanks very much. And Brian, um, I probably won't see you now until after the after the new year in person. But uh, so have a great holiday season and happy new year and um i look forward to moving this forward um in in the future for sure as do i you enjoy your time off and i'll talk to you in the new year cheers buddy thanks thanks for listening to the microsoft 365 developer podcast please follow us on twitter at m365 dev podcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 